Welcome back to New Basketball Games. Uh, it's been a few weeks. It's been four games. Uh, I'm not sure whose fault it is. It was my fault. <laughs> I got sick during the night of the Indiana game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We almost... That's what happened. And then the, the next three games were unwatchable. <laughs> Just some, uh, I thought the L game was actually pretty pretty watchable. but They, they, they were all first halves. We didn't play, and I mean, these guys had exams, final exams, and, you know, papers, projects, presentations, yeah. and then they were just flat on a especially lot of the first halves. Especially Hartford. Yeah. Hartford, Hartford yeah. especially, but also Yale. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Yale played Yale well. Yale was good. Yeah, Yale yeah. played, they were good. They were better than I, I realized. You remember we played them in the tournament in 2016, just a few years ago. Yeah. They had a, if they had any significant seniors, they would be freshmen on that team. I lose track of which Ivy League schools are like currently pretty good at basketball. Remember Cornell was good for a few years there? Yeah. They, had, they went they made it to the Sweet Sixteen and yeah. Jay Billis foolishly said they would beat I think Kentucky and make the final four. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, like Penn has been good intermittently. Princeton, Princeton used who, to be who's our next opponent. Yeah. So it, it, you know, Tommy Amaker's at Harvard. And Harvard's been good. Yeah. Harvard I mean, supposedly so. Yale is pretty good. Coach K was raving about the Oni guy. Um, he claimed he was going to be a first-round draft pick. I looked at the draft boards. No. He's nowhere near. Well, he's just he's, being nice. He's often nice. He starts off every presser with, we beat a really good team, even if it's Stetson. No, I don't know if he says it against Stetson. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess... Um, I guess since we last talked, we we, we last podded, podcasted after the Gonzaga game. Yes. I just created the word, podded. Um, we kind of blow the doors off Indiana, control the game, maybe like slack off towards the end in terms of the, the final differential on the score. But, yes. But, uh, slack, but that, off, slack off, but Zion also had uh, cramping issues in the second half, and I think Trey had a, a hip issue flare up in the second half, so... Neither of them played that much down the stretch, but yeah. And we handle three opponents uh, at home, three relatively light opponents. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I have a few questions for you, Peter. Rather than go through each game and how they went, you know, um, they all mostly went kind of the same. I guess my, my, my first question for you is, there's been a few weeks of practice since Maui, and we've seen him play four times. What have you noticed is different. Do you see any changes happening with the team as they? Uh, I actually don't think they've practiced that much in the last two weeks. No, no. Do you, Due to exams. Okay. Do you, Do you see any strategic changes uh, on the court? Strategic changes? Yeah. You know, the the things moving in a certain direction, offensively, um, defensively. Who's in the game? Who's not in the game? I've noticed the lineup change, starting lineup change, which I thought was somewhat interesting. Um, I, I I feel like on offense when we when we see a zone defense, we're making a concerted effort to get the ball to Zion at the free throw line, and he's just so ridiculously quick with his two quick dribbles. He goes up. I mean, that's just like an unguardable play. And so, especially against zone defenses, I think yeah, that's going to be, be really his... really important because we are not shooting very well. We start off not the most recent game, but against Hartford, we start off 0 for 10. We're shooting 33% from three as a team. Not not that great. Despite despite the fact that, I mean, I think our team is ridiculous. 
and it's going to get better, and I can't wait to see them play quality opponents because you can't really tell too much against Hartford and Stetson. And yeah, Iowa but, I mean, Indiana's pretty good. Yale's Indiana pretty, was pretty good. They Yale's, also, Yale's yeah. pretty decent. Uh, we, you know, we just played Gonzaga and Auburn. I mean, we're, we're playing a we're, lot of, we're destroying a lot of good, good opponents. We're destroying yeah. teams, and I feel like we're, we're not totally locked in. Um, but to go back to your question, I, I feel like on defense we're extending the pressure to like three quarters. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that's what. Uh, yeah, I mean, Trey, Trey. I like, I like, I like a lot of these guys, but I, I feel like Trey has really grown on me. Um, he's just, uh, he just has a certain presence and a demeanor to him. He, uh, I remember after the Gonzaga loss, the two players who were being interviewed after the game with Coach K was uh, Jab and Delorier and, and Trey Jones, and Jab said, "Look, Trey is the heart and soul of this team. You know, we're going to go as far as Trey takes us." and you know, he, he's really the leader for us, and not just on offense, but also on defense because he's hawking the ball so far out there. It takes the other team a while to initiate their offense. He's always in front of the, the ball handler, and he's disrupting a lot of things. And it's, I don't know if it's contagious, but defense is being played very well by everyone. A lot of steals, which leads to a lot of transition baskets. Um, yeah. I, I, I think this defense is really good. And it's going to get better. I, I agree. I think the biggest thing I've noticed over these games is the defensive improvement overall. So it's it's the aggressiveness that we, we sort of talked about, and it wasn't always working in the early games, you know, especially in Maui. Uh, okay. You know, <clears throat> led to a lot of a lot of breakdowns, uh, a lot of over a lot of open threes from sort of overhelping. Etc. Okay. But yeah. But uh, and we talked about that I think on the last pod. But uh, you know, really the issue is that it was sort of a little meandering at times. It, it was I thought it was predictable. Um, but the over switching, over helping. I th- I think as the guys needlessly doubling. Right, right. Um, just ineffectively doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is something I we've noticed for the last few years is. Uh, Part of the issue with the sort of strategy of helping off shooters and like doubling and trapping in the half court or trying to cut off passing lanes is that um, if you don't do it well, yeah, it's like an all-time blitz. You know, it just leads to wide open you know layups and threes, and threes have have really hurt us in in a lot of big games, big games. over the last few years. Right. Um, yeah, you were talking about that with the. I think Marquise was sort of helping out against Rui Hachimura, but he wasn't doing it aggressively enough. I mean, like, you, if you double, you want to really, really make it difficult for the ball handler. I mean, where right. he's faced with, like, a tough decision, and he might throw the ball away. And that, that did happen much more, not so much in the post, but um, by the guards, and uh, they threw the ball away. But I, I couldn't tell if it was just because the, the, the disparity in talent. disparity. In There's a comfort ability. level at home. Yeah, that we can't deny. Yeah, I mean they're throwing balls into the stands. Sure, and it's it's hard to play in Cameron. Yeah, it really is. The, no. Despite how well Hartford and Yale played in the first few minutes of each game, and hats off to them. But I feel like the the athleticism of this team, uh, of some of these guys, it's combined with that that aggression, and they're getting to know how to play defense together, yeah. how to hunker down, how to take the right kinds of chances. And when Zion disrupts, Cam Reddish disrupts, and hey, Bolden is a help side help side yeah. block. We got a lot of good blockers, like 
three guys who are Jack White. routinely blocking a number <clears throat> of shots a game. Guys are making plays yes. over the last four games on defense. Which leads to and quick buckets. Yeah, it's, it's just it's actually it's, beautiful. Yeah, I actually think their their half court offense still still can get a lot better, uh, or at least somewhat better. But um, I was really really encouraged over this stretch of games by by the defensive play, by sort of the all court two way game that Zion Trey Jones. Cam Reddish on the defensive end. Cam, Cam struggled. <laughs> Only on the defensive sort of, end. I'm just no, no, very... Sort, and, and sort of both ways. He struggled. Really, Jack White and, and Javin has stepped up. Um, Jav- yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, it really in, is. In the he, last he, game, the previous game, he was sort of non-existent, I think. Yeah, in that last game, he really seemed possessed. Yeah. Of, um, and I wonder if he's just picking up confidence because he gets along well with these other guys. Maybe he's just more comfortable in his role. You're talking about Javin Delorier? Javin. Javin is Javin had a big game. It's gonna be interesting. We've against seen Yale. We've seen Bolden against Yale. Against Yale. And he started. Right. Uh, we've seen Bolden, Jack White, and Javin enjoy these stretches of, of really good play. But with Javin and Bolden, I feel like there's also a lot and a lot of stretches of kind of just okay play. Right. Um and Jack White I think has been actually the more consistent guy. But Javin gets the start and he plays like he deserved it. He, my guess is he has been practicing well. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he cleans up a lot offensively. You know, like put back layups, put put back dunks. Um, yeah. He's he's six foot ten, six foot eleven with long arms. I mean, that is obviously an asset. Um, I I feel like he's a little bit, he's a bit more coordinated than Bolden because Bolden's still like he makes mistakes when he gets the ball when somebody enters the ball to him. He still like pivots the wrong way. Or he puts up like a tough two. You know what it is? Yeah. The difference between Javin and Bolden, I mean, besides a few obvious differences, is velocity. It's quicker. Quicker. The pace, and yeah. Faster he, twitch muscles. He matches the pace of play of the other guys. He can get up and down the court yeah. super fast. And, you know. Well, I it, think Bolden can get up the up and down the court relatively fast. I just feel like yeah. when he needs that burst, when he gets that ball, I feel like he's still sort of slow and clumsy, but I, I, I agree with you. He is a bit slower, but well, neither of them should get the ball as a primary focus. As a, yeah, as a primary focus of any yeah. posi- any possession, unless it's off a, a rebound or as an outlet, right? You know, or an alley oop, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but ja- I don't know. Javin really, really, really stepped up. It's interesting to see how all three of those guys have stepped up at times. Yeah, but. You know, we talked about Bolden. You know, I had a lot of issues. I, you yeah. know, I'm I'm pleased that, that Bolden didn't start the last game. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping he's gonna he, get. He, he played pretty well off the bench. He's he's blocked. He swatted a couple shots. He's he's doing well. Weak, weak side defense. He gets yeah. a little bit of the boards. He's he's playing a a small role. Anything bigger than that, I think I think we're in trouble. Not in trouble. We're fine. Yeah. I just think it's not optimal right. compared to their better options. Other guys on the bench. He's my, he's my least favorite of the top eight players in terms of what he offers to the flow of the game and the way I can imagine this team uh, operating at full full peak. Um, the last four games, Bolden. He actually played kind of played well. I thought on defense against Indiana, but you know scored zero points on zero shots. 0 for 2 from the line. Uh, three rebounds in 23 minutes. 
against Stetson. That was, and then Stetson, he gets 20 minutes. He still starts four points, one of three from the field. Um, but I actually thought played a decent game. He had three turnovers, but he had at least one block and a steal, a couple assists. And then against uh, Hartford, which, you know, kind of was a contested game, uh, Coach K pulled him pretty early and didn't really play him much. He only played 12 minutes as a starter. Uh, and, you know, uh, he did block a couple shots and had four points. And then against Yale, he just, uh, again, played only 12 minutes. Yeah. So I think it's a trend. So you're, uh, you're happy with that traje- that trend? I mean, I would have. I guess I would have loved to see him just com- compete and excel, right? Yeah. But I don't think we need his skill set most of the time on the court. I think he. I think to the extent they're giving him any touches inside, it's usually a mistake. And yeah. I just want him to play that sort of uh, stand in the dunker spot off the lane a little bit where Javin is uh, and sort of do less harm and just sort of add value without, you know, demanding the ball at all. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is against certain teams, I think I think it's going to be a hindrance. It's going to be harder for us to effectively guard the three uh, against teams with five guys that can move and shoot. Right. And um, Yeah, he's just... The, the the team composition isn't very well suited for him. I mean, like I, I sort of feel like he is a like he could be like a Brian Zubek. He's he's more athletic, but I feel like he has a, a lower IQ than Brian Zubek. And Zubek, what was so great about that particular team is he grabbed all these offensive rebounds, and then he had three very very good three point shooters in Nolan Smith, John Shire, and and Kyle Singler. But this particular squad doesn't have outside of. I don't know, maybe Cam Reddish, maybe when Jack's on the on the field, maybe Alice O'Connell, but I mean... This team is underrated five. when it comes to three-point shooting, but I hear your point. Everyone's trying to get to the rim. Yeah. They're, they're, That's what they want to do. That's they're their much instinct. better attacking the basket, <laughs> slashing. So it's, it's, it's just uh, the hand that he was dealt every year <laughs> has been a very bad hand for, for Marquise Bolden. Um, but I did see he's a late second-round pick. This upcoming year, it's possible. Um, yeah, it's possible. I don't think he is really, really any chance at an NBA career. Um, <clears throat> Sounds so sad when you say that. I just don't. I just don't think he, he's an NBA player. But I, I can see him doing back, well. You think he Europe. comes back next year? I, I imagine he comes back. Okay. Unless he's anxious to start a foreign career. Yeah. Or, or you know, playing the G League. Which he might, he might be ready to do that. Maybe that's what he needs for his game. Right. Um, I have nothing against Marquise. I think he's playing hard. You know, I think he's playing hard, and he's playing a little better than I expected. A little bit better. But he had that big game against Auburn. But since then, he, he really hasn't had like a like a really great game. And there's been five games since then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, everyone else right. on the team has had these really really good games uh, yeah. since then against weaker opponents and. It's just you know, it's fine. It's too bad because when I see him and he when he has good moments, when he makes good blocks and lead and it and it leads to transition offense. I mean, I I go back to our conversations with him. I mean, I know you're so you're you're obviously not very high on him. It is possible to win with bigs. I mean, UNC went to back to back title games playing two, three, four bigs consistently. Um, I just feel like on yeah. this particular squad, it's a very poor fit. 
You know? Yeah, that makes sense. That that what you're saying makes sense. Like, wish we could trade him. Wish we could trade him. That like NC State could probably use him. You know. Yeah, probably a lot of teams could <laughs> use him. And, yeah. and with with the more run that he gets, probably the better he would do. You know. Yeah, uh, we rebound pretty well, and we we have other guys that are big and long. I have no idea how Jack White's such a good rebounder. Guy, the guy knows how to play basketball. He, here's he, here's he what I like about good, this good vertical team. Also, I mean, I see him skying for some rebounds. He really plays basketball well. Yeah, he's a good. He's a good player. He's actually a good <laughs> he's, basketball he's a player. player. He's just been buried on the bench for two years. Uh, he plays basketball well. Trey Jones, back to Trey Jones. Yeah, I wanted to agree with you about how how sort of integral he is to the team. Um, he really knows how to play basketball. <laughs> he yeah, knows right. he knows the game. He doesn't yeah. have to light up the scoreboard yeah. or get any counting stats really, but though he is becoming more aggressive, yeah. you know, with little floaters and he's really good in transition where he can where he takes it the entire way where there's one defender. I'm just very confident that he can finish very much like a Nolan Smith or a Ty's Jones. Um but I mean that probably goes back to his older brother obviously and and I think I read a story where they're half older brother was like almost like an NBA player but they train every day in the morning mm. all three of them like 5.30 in the morning 6 and so they're, they're just practicing all the time so it makes sense that based on the pedigree that he is going to be a fantastic point guard on the ball defender distributor and he can score too I'm a little bit the question mark for me is it seems like he's okay shooting threes, but he's only shot 16 of them, 6 for 16, so I'm not sure. Yeah, he's not quite as willing a shooter as you might you might expect, but he also doesn't have the ball in his hands as often as, as most point guards do. It's because, Barrett, it's Barrett, because Barrett's more ball down. It's because though. R.J. Barrett has not seen a shot he's not going to take. Yeah, well, I don't know. He won 12 of 14 and 10 of 14 in two of these four games. He, he responded fantastically yeah. after the Gonzaga game. One more point about Trey, and then let's yeah. move, move to RJ. A- actually, before I forget, yeah, yeah. let me go back to um, Marquise versus Javin. I, I think Javin, not only is he a better athlete and quicker and sort of knows his role, but I, I, I'm almost positive he's going to be a better talker on defense. Like, the post guy is... In the paint, he sees everything defensively. He's probably a much better talker than Marquise is. Uh, yeah, that may be. That may be. I just remember that big, that big defensive game Marquise had uh, yeah, when, Jeff, when Jeff Cable. No, nah, nah, two years ago was it? Okay. When, when, <laughs> when Cable, Cable took start, over for a game with a couple yeah. games for Kay, and they they came out and they they played his own. Marquise has had some moments at Duke that, and and obviously came in touted that. that that makes you feel as if, okay, it's finally going to turn on. It's time, mm-hmm. but that that light isn't coming on in that way. Yeah. He could be a useful role player, and that's what he is. And I think Jack White or Javin would be a better starter alongside our other the rest of the guys on the unit. Right. Um, the one other thing I would say on Marquise is Coach K uh, preseason during the Canada tour, or whatever. And again, this could just be preseason coach speak. He did say Marquise is trending to be one of the best big men in the country. So he may have like a different vision for him than what we're seeing. Yeah, maybe he still believes in the potential. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, real quick on Trey. Um, you're right. He's not, so far he has not 
taking a high volume of threes. Uh, he's shooting 37% so far, yeah. which is okay. Um, but what I, what, I, what I think is sort of uh, maybe underrated about him, based on just looking at the stats, is just how important his points are. Because he, he's a little bit like Tyus. He, yeah. he seems to score when they might need him to score. Yes. And he played a terrific game against Indiana. He, he looked absolutely incredible. And Gonzaga. Yeah, played great against Gonzaga too. And, and that, that was like a tendency of Tyus also. Tyus would step up in big-time games when maybe he felt like his scoring was, was more needed. I feel like he's an egoless player. He plays in, in, in you know, um, he doesn't seem to care about his stats. Yeah. And he just gets on the floor so much going after it. Yeah. He just really goes after it, and he knows how to play. And Zion, I feel yeah. like, gets after it even harder. On the floor. On the like floor. All the, it, it's inspirational. It inspires effort. Both of those guys. Yeah. How are you going to go on the court and not play hard for playing with those two guys? You know, um, Coach K used to just is, is, inspire. Is, is Cam Reddish playing inspired ball? Cam Reddish is trying. Is he? Yeah, he's trying. And yeah. on defense, he just picks up three or four steals in like most of the games. No, that's even come in, on. unless twice he's picked up three or four steals. Uh, Indiana, Cam Reddish, zero steals. <laughs> uh, Hartford. Four steals. Hey, going going back to Trey. Four I, steals against Hartford and drum roll please, Cam Reddish four steals against Yale. So the last two games four steals in each game, not against the highest world class opponents. Guy's got a seven foot two wingspan. Dude, well he's disruptive. Like yeah, he he deflects a lot of balls. Right now they don't keep deflection stats on ESPN. Yeah, that. But after watching Robert Covington play for a few years, I realized the importance of just. Disrupting, making life difficult with opponents, getting in passing lanes. Steals isn't always an accurate stat. Right. You know, people, different yeah, people get credits, but Cam Reddish really makes life tough when he's in there and, you know, jumping yeah. passing lanes. Trey Jones, incredibly high basketball IQ. Yeah. Um, does not turn the ball over, makes smart decisions. Do you know what is early in the season, obviously, but do you know what his assist to turnover ratio is? I think it's infinity. So, he's Peter, had some games Peter. where it was infinity, but for yeah, the season, no, it's like six to one or something like it's that. Four and a half to one. Yeah, it was is, it was higher. He, he he went like three, or four or five games apparently without a turnover. Like yeah, like eight assists, zero turnovers. <laughs> right. No, it's incredible. Yeah, Kentucky, same thing. Now he he's not you know he's not handling the ball in in a lot of the biggest possessions. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised looking at the stats that RJ Barrett turns it over so infrequently. Given how how sort of aggressive yeah, well, he is, okay, yeah. like he, he he almost never right. dribbles the ball off his foot. He I, doesn't travel. Yeah, my 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 biggest. He just takes uh, poor shots. My, yeah, my biggest yeah. knock on him is uh, the defense often often collapses when he takes it to the basket and gets close to the basket. And there's usually a big guy who's wide open on the other side of the basket. If he would just start dumping it off, like in those particular spots, but I feel like when he he makes his mind up to attack the basket and he's just going to finish the playoff. He's relentless. And, and so I feel like he's an oak, yeah. he's a pretty good passer when he's extended out, but once he's initiated and he, he he's into the attack mode, he's going to force up a pretty contested two as opposed to maybe just dumping it off for an easy 
easy too. Yeah, he's really good at it. And it's like it, Michael Jordan in his early it, NBA career. So, well, so far it's really only hurt us against Gonzaga during that one no, stretch. But it's, we're talking about tendencies like, and, and habits. Yeah, and when, patterns, we, when we come up know, against yeah. really good teams in the biggest games, yeah. yeah, I think this is going to be a learning process for him. And, you know, the entire world, the basketball world, knew that Cam, that uh, RJ shot really poorly, forced a bunch of shots. Bill Simmons whacked him for it. You know, he, his agents, yeah. his unofficial agents, his crew, his family, everybody knows he's dropped from number one to number two or three now. Number two. And people are concerned number that maybe two. he doesn't have the judgment, right? I mean, it's number two probably right now. But, so he knows. He knows what he has to show. He knows what he has to work on. Like, they're they're savvy. After the Gonzaga he's gonna be game, dishing. he's gonna be he's he shot forty of sixty five from the field since and then. Played like an animal. Yeah. Still somewhat. Uh, he still loves to shoot. I mean, like, do you have any idea how often this guy shoots? He shoots. <laughs> he shoots a lot. nineteen times a game. Nineteen times. Do you do you, the the last sort of quote unquote ball hog that I really disliked a guy who just never saw a shot he didn't like was awesome. Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers shot 12 times a game. This guy's shooting 19 times a game. This guy's going to put up one of the best scoring seasons ever at Duke. And he's not shooting a low percentage overall. Yeah, despite I that agree with you. Really I mean, if he, can just, he has a lot yeah. of dunks, a lot of open court uh, buckets. I, I like him. I like him more than I thought I would. Um, but, he, I mean, yeah, he could improve just in that one particular aspect. Dude, and he is vicious in the open court. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a heat-seeking missile. What, what, what did you think about... Um, I, I know we talked immediately after Gonzaga, but after the Indiana game, Coach K said, Duke fans, you guys need to relax. You guys are a little bit spoiled. Um, all this talk about RJ playing hero ball, which I believe are words that came out of your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> said, I was guys, the only person that makes that observation. I mean, of course, of course. But what did you think about Coach K's take on that? He's like, look, I've got a team of 19-year-olds that are playing their ass off for me. I mean, he, it's great that Coach K says that. It's fine. Yeah. Should we take it seriously? Fuck no. Right? Because like, of course there's expectations. RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson look like NBA Hall of Famers. Like future NBA Hall of Famers. Like When, when like, you say those words, yeah. when they come out of your mouth, what's your success rate, you think, when you label somebody an NBA Hall of Famer? Since the time that I've known you. I, I really I don't remember. I remember I remember saying it about Mason Plumley. Yeah. I, but I think I was referring to his level of talent, is what I was referring to, and the level of okay. talent with yeah. Zion, not just talent but polish, right? And we also have role players that are playing like polished. Jack White's playing like a like a championship team role player. Yeah. You know our, our role players, all of them are playing so well. I feel like Alex O'Connell. I'm telling you, man, it's because Jack White, Javon Deloria, Marquise Bolden. Yeah. I mean, the the drop off really isn't. I mean, obviously, it's Goldwire looks pretty good when he's yeah, out. They there. All, yeah, except Goldwire can't hit a shot. Man, he's not a shooter. But O'Connell had the, had the longest run he's had since that Texas game last year when he had to play 26 minutes. I mean, coach, he was playing really well, and okay. Coach K just left him in for the remainder of the first half because Cam was struggling, and I, I feel like O'Connell played like the last seven minutes. And really played good defense, deflected balls, stole balls, um, outletted to RJ for an, for an open layup. Really played well. And I, Coach K was saying, look, a lot of times Alex is just like he comes in and you know he might hit an open three, and that's pretty much it. But I was really happy with the way he played at the end of the first half because he 
his his fingerprint on the defense was so was so good. And you know what? Alex O'Connell's a really good athlete. He's six foot six. You saw him get a steal and and do that thunderous dunk. Yeah. Pre-game Kentucky, I saw him in the warm. I mean, he's doing like 360 windmill dunks. These guys are incredible. Rewind the tape on our podcast because I'm usually the one talking about Alex O'Connell. If you hear me, let. I mean, there's no reason Alex O'Connell shouldn't be an absolute star player at Duke. He, on this team, Eventually. Whether, he should be getting enough minutes and enough shots from three-point range. Yeah. R.J. Barrett should be best friends with... I mean, Alex O'Connell should be best friends with R.J. Barrett. Like, they should be... Alex O'Connell should be standing, you know, on that sideline three, and R.J. R.J. should... Should like cause the guy to collapse on him and, and plan to kick it out to Alex. He's the best three point shooter on the team. Yeah, I, I don't think and, I don't think they think like that. I, I sort of feel like um, RJ in particular, he tends to only want to share the ball with Zion and Cam and Trey. Yeah, I, I mean I've, I've noticed I feel that I've way. noticed that a little bit as well. I think that will change as, yeah, as sort I, of it goes on. I feel like there have been windows and like plays that could have developed where. He could set up Jack or Alex or somebody else for a wide open three, but I think they're hitting Jack a lot. You know, I think they're looking for Alex a little less. There were a couple of possessions in the Yale game where Alex was just wide open and like calling for the ball. And yeah, got got passed over. Obviously, there's more. There's other options. He's not the yeah. only option. Yeah. Uh, but he really he really is a dynamic player. I'm, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's. I I I don't want him to transfer, so I'm glad he got rewarded with some minutes. Okay. Yeah, I don't want this guy leaving the program. I, a legacy. I have big why, plans for him next year and the year after. Why, why would he transfer? He's legacy. I mean, I don't know. If I was shooting you know, 45 50% from three and I can't get any run on a team where they could really use a three-point shooter, I might get a little frustrated. And there's going to be another wave of talented people coming in next year and the year after. And Probably. I got news for you. If Alex O'Connell was on Villanova... He'd be doing big things. You I, know? I was actually thinking about Villanova. I mean, Villanova obviously... I mean, they also had pretty much a positionless team last year with like five or six guys on the squad that were shooting 40% from three. Our team is obviously not like that. You know, we don't have five guys who are going to shoot 40% from three. We do. Did you know we do have five guys shooting 36%? We have no one shooting over 40% from three currently. Yeah, but we have a bunch of guys shooting 36, 37, 38%. Okay. Um, Speaking of shooting, Cam Reddish. What's going on? Cam Reddish. Uh, we talked about his defense, yeah. but it, you, there's nothing. There's no. There's no real denying it. He's been kind of terrible <laughs> on on offense for most of the last, you know, month. I wouldn't. I wouldn't quite say terrible. He's been terrible from deep. He's been terrible from three. He's been relatively okay when he when he dribble penetrates and takes like a little kind of turns it over free throw line. Kind of turns it over. He's had some bad stretches of basketball. Yeah, I would say for the number of possessions he gets, yeah, like as a primary ball handler, he is by far the most prone to just turn. screw up the play, turn it over, yeah. like misread he, how likely he is to be able to finish. Maybe he's pressing. I think he's pre- I think yeah. he just has like he's getting used to college basketball. I don't think his role in the team is as well-defined as everybody else's role. Yeah. And I, I actually think it might make a lot of sense to have him not on the court with R.J. Barrett as much, except R.J. Barrett never leaves the game. Yeah. And it's it, I just, 
you know, against these weaker opponents, he, he I, should I, be more. They're rotating him out a little more. I, I could see that where you're saying uh, they should stagger the minutes, where he's sort of more the alpha on the floor, yeah. scoring wise. RJ Barrett played 36 minutes against Hartford and 36 minutes against Yale, and like they're blowing these teams out at the end. Yeah, that doesn't include the last minute or two where he was probably out of the game. So it's, I just, I continue to be baffled by Coach K doing this during the regular season when you got to raise everybody's play. Yeah. So every a lot of people are playing well, so it's fine. Like the team is pretty well situated, but you know I think Cam Reddish could use five extra minutes on the court where RJ's not in the game and he gets to be the primary creator. We should get him some reps. Yeah. Now, I mean, what you know? But before the before conference he, play starts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even during early conference, but I'm fine with it. If yeah, I mean, we I, can afford. I, I, that, I actually you know? just think, I mean, he seems fine, and and they all seem pretty happy and and whatnot. But because Zion and RJ are playing at such a stellar level, they're getting all that publicity. They're looking at the draft boards probably every night before they go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, like Cam's maybe pressing a little bit because you know in that Kentucky game he had. 22 relatively quiet points, but like he's still one of the big three. He's still going to be a top five lottery pick. He's still listed on the board. It's not right. like he's dropping because of but, like some short term, right. small sample but size I, but shooting I could see I could see the thing snowball in his head where like, wow, these guys are playing fantastic. <clears throat> I'm playing like dog doo doo, and I can play yeah. better, and I and I will play better. But if the if the, if the shot doesn't fall. You're just going to press more and more. I mean, like Luke Kennard, his freshman year, shot 32%. Like, he struggled with the shot the entire year. People can just get into funks. Obviously, I hope that doesn't happen. I think he's going to be fine. I think the guys, the kid has a lot of confidence. Yeah. He's he makes multi-faceted. Evidence. He shoots, yeah. he shoots, yeah. shoots and shoots and shoots, yeah. and, he, and he should. It's not like his shots are bad. He can really get that shot up over anybody. It's, and smooth. it's a quick. Smooth, it's quick. It's, yeah. So it hasn't been going in, and that's that just happens in basketball sometimes over a stretch. Do you remind you of Tracy McGrady? Uh, I don't know. You want to do NBA comps again? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, I guess, like, in terms of a role, before we move on, like, he could settle into more of a just, I'm going to be the stopper on this team. I'm going to be the defensive stopper? The defense. I'm going to be the defense guy, Cam Reddish. Because he, really? he can guard. Well, he just creates like we creates a lot of chaos on defense, but we don't need him. We don't really yeah. need him to, to do a lot. If if RJ Barrett's in the game, yeah. we I don't really need Cam Reddish to have the ball in his hands. We need him to be an outlet, yeah. and a secondary penetrator. Um, he should be move like I like I like to see him move off the ball a little more. Well, I mean, um, he has to. Yeah. Well, I don't think he. I don't think he's he's getting as many easy baskets as he as he could. Okay. Um, but okay. yeah, I'm fine. I think he's going to be fine. The, I mean, to worry about. If we could nitpick something, the ball movement maybe hasn't been as good offensively. You know, a lot of our baskets is, is one-on-one, ISO. Um, it's not to say that they're bad passers, but in terms of like beautiful ball movement, like the 2013 Spurs and the 2016 Golden State Warriors, I've actually, when I was sick, I watched a decent amount of the Love Story basketball and seeing those guys just move the ball a ridiculous number of times before getting the open shot, I, I th- obviously we we don't do that. Uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of um, get the ball off the court, either in transition yeah. or even yeah. off a made basket. Get it up fast, and just before the defensive set, 
try to get Barrett or Williamson moving towards the rim. Right. And and that that's very effective. That's like it's, straight it's, out of the NBA. Yes. It's I mean it's ridiculously effective. I mean those are their strengths. That's what they should play to. Yeah. Uh I agree. Um Okay. I guess uh, I guess we could move move off the team. Uh, we feel good about how things are going. They don't play Princeton for another eight days. Yeah. It's going to be some time. It's a good um, there's a game in New York against Texas Tech. I think it's on the twentieth. And they are now ranked, and they are top eleven or twelve Ken Palm, undefeated. Oh, good. First time you've broken out a Ken Palm reference for this season, Peter. No, that can't be true. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, Kansas is number one right now. We're number two in the country in the poll. I mean, uh, we're clearly the best Gonzaga team. Gonzaga lost to apparently a very good Tennessee team, but they almost lost to some other team that wasn't very good. They played out of their minds against us. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt about that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Not much to say about it. I mean, we they beat us, they outplayed us, and... Uh, you know, I think I think it's okay though. Um, I'm glad I'm glad we I'm glad we we're in the shape we're in. I'm okay with us getting a loss on the record. I, I wonder how many games we're gonna lose. The ACC is shaping up pretty strong. It looks very strong. Yeah, I mean North Carolina is really good. Virginia looks really good again. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's Syracuse. ranked in the top twenty. Syracuse. Uh, Watch the end of the Syracuse Georgetown game the other night, uh, and. Syracuse has has some ballers for sure. Yeah, I I feel like so Texas Tech got, is going to be tough in Madison Square, but then when uh, conference play starts, I feel like three out of the first four are going to be against ranked currently ranked opponents. It's going to be tough stretch, but I'm actually very excited because I feel like this team is going to destroy. Destroy. Yeah, I mean. I guess that's, that's the other thing I wanted to mention. Is this team feels like a bit of a throwback. It's been a while since we've just ran teams out of the gym routinely. Yeah. Winning games by 30, 40, 50. It's harder to do these days with the younger stars as opposed to having seniors that are stars. Um, but it feels like this year it's going to happen in conference play a decent amount. Um, yeah. I still think... Even, gonna, even against good yeah, teams. We're going like, to lose like three to five more more games. Road games. I think you're wrong. I don't think we're gonna lose that many. I mean, three maybe, but yeah, um, three losses. Yeah. Would that make us uh, conference champs? You know how long it's been since we've won a conference championship, regular season, outright. We used to win almost every year. I feel like it's <laughs> over, over ten years. So I know Is we have these really high expectations heading in, but we tend to lose like way more games than we think we're going to. Gotcha. Well, uh, any other quick observations before we move on to this week's trivia question? Uh, I loved, loved, loved the Zion story about how SI Sports Illustrated came on campus to do the, the cover shoot, and uh, Joey Baker wasn't there, and Zion's like, Where, where's Joey? I mean, Joey's a freshman. He's one of us. I mean, I, we're not going to do this without Joey. I mean, it's just, I just love that stuff. Yeah, it wasn't like diva-ish when yeah. they, they announced their told I mean, the story. He's, just, he strikes just, me as just... truly unselfish. I mean, there was a breakaway, uh, fast break opportunity for him to get a dunk, and then he throws it against the backboard for a very difficult dunk for RJ. I mean, that's just real. That's unselfish, you know. He he 
he gives up somewhat easy buckets sometimes to to feed other people. I wish RJ would do that every now and then. I think RJ is. I think I think RJ is going to be fine. I actually think he is looking more to set teammates up. He's he is going to take the open shot every time. He is going to press every advantage because that's the guy. He's relentless. But I I don't think you know. I just think we're going to see him. Not I don't think we're going to see him fail like like we saw him fail at the end of that Gonzaga game in the way he failed. I I th- I think he's a really smart basketball player, um, and that's the difference for me between these freshmen yeah. and past iterations of freshmen is. Yeah. Uh, I think these guys are going to keep getting better. They're already getting better on defense. Right. They're, you know, I like that they're making the other guys around them better. Even if we prefer, he kick it out to. Alex O'Connell yeah. a little more often, or Jack White. But like, I, th- I really like the way this team is coming together as a team. I'm excited it, for conference play. I want to see them play good opponents. Um, going going back to RJ, like, I mean, I, I, I it wouldn't shock me if I if we saw that again in a Sweet 16 game, in a Lead 8 game, in a Final Four game, because, I mean, that's Coach K's tendencies. I mean, if you if you think back to all those really close give it to the games. Leader. It's not like we design a play. I mean, it's very rare for a game to come down to like a jump shot. It's usually you give it to a guy, your most important, quote-unquote, valuable senior guy, and they just attack the basket. Coach K is probably instructing them, try to pick up a foul if you can. Otherwise, just attack the basket. I mean, you, you think back well, to there's, Grayson. There's, listen, there's in-game coaching, Yeah. right? And then there's there's stuff you notice with analytics and, and sort of the way you coach guys to be ready for that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, R.J. Barrett's, I think, all year going to be learning about how to maximize those opportunities for his team, not just for him. Okay. And, you know, I, have, I, have, I don't know why, but I have some confidence that, that these guys want, not only want to be drafted high, but they want to win, they want to play the right way, yeah. they want to do the best thing for their team. You know, and I, I think yeah. I think Trey and Zion and Jack White, all these guys, Javin, I think they're all playing the right way. And I think I think it's just gonna lift everyone up and kind of inspire everyone. Even if like somebody kinda wanted to have like maybe on they, another they, team they, they might loaf. Yeah, they might loaf on another team and they might be this way. I think that everyone's just excited to play basketball together. I mean, how amazing must it be to play and practice with Zion Williamson every day? Just be around it, yeah. you know. Yeah, he's uh, he's Billy Bud. Zion is just who's, who's Billy Bud? Ah, uh, he's just like Zion right now has no flaws. What are you he talking has, about? Like as a human being, what, he just you're, what are you he's like a about? saint of basketball. Did you see that free throw that he barely hit? The, he was a complete brick, and um, he's still shooting threes even though they're disgusting. He's not shooting a lot of threes. Zion can do no wrong. He is just alone as the saint of of modern basketball. There's just never going to be a player as good as Zion has played. Pretty thick. I know you're semi-joking, but... All right, let's move on. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, Last part of the the, the show, uh, I've just decided to do a little research and add up all the... We've been talking Duke in the NBA. Uh, shout out to Luke Kennard, who scored 28 points tonight against the 76ers in a, in a loss. Career high. On the road. Oh, by far a career high. It was his career high, I think, when he hit 22. Really? For sure, 25. 
You know um, who else had a monster game tonight? Who's that? Another one of our favorite Zookies. Mr. Winslow. Yes, Justice. Monster. Said, he had 27-28 against the Lakers on national Man, TV. The game wasn't over last time I checked. Oh, but he's, he's been having a pretty good run. Yeah, Bill. Uh, speaking of Bill Simmons, he also threw out a, a shout out to, to Justice tonight, saying that he had not on given up. He had not given up on him. No, on Twitter. On Twitter. Oh, on Twitter. Yeah, he tweeted. Um, You're still on Twitter. I, I read Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I read Twitter. We don't really tweet. Uh, that was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought this was interesting. I, I added up everybody's career salary and that any all Duke and the NBA guys ever. Okay, so yeah. this goes back to you know prehistoric times. Okay, but obviously guys made less back in the day. Uh, career NBA earnings according to Basketball Reference, and the way I calculated, I included current players. Okay, and uh, I included uh, up until now. I included not, not their future earnings on their contract up through this year. I counted this year's earnings. Okay, I also counted if they're under contract on a guaranteed deal. I included those earnings as well. So, little favor towards the guys that have a year or two left on their on their deal. Uh, if they make the list. So, I have the top 20. Top 20 all-time career Duke, money earned? Duke money earned in the NBA. Um, I'd like you to guess. I'd like you to guess the top five first. Okay? Guess the top five? Top five. Duke NBA career... Salary earners. It's not including endorsements. In no particular order. I mean, you should try to get you should try to get number one first off if you can. No, I just sort of want to brainstorm. <laughs> um, so I'll ask you if this person is top five. On yeah, the just list. take a guess. Um, Elton Brand. Elton Brand, number one. Ding ding ding. Number one. Hundred and sixty nine million dollars. Excellent career. Excellent career. Got a max contract and then got injured. He actually made more of his money, I think, towards the tail end. Um, Grant Hill. Grant Hill is number four with $142 million, Played 37 years in the NBA. Luol Dang. Great guess. Number two, Luol Dang. It's unbelievable. $153 million. Just, uh, just got bought out on a big, big contract. Um, You're crushing this. There's Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is fifth and will eventually be first, <laughs> uh, most likely. $94 million. He's actually a, a, a deep cut below. The top four all have at least $140 million. Yeah. Kyrie, 94 My final guess. Final guess for the top five. You might just run the table. I was actually vacillating a little bit, but now I feel like it's a no-brainer. I was bouncing back and forth between Corey Maggette and... J.J. Redick? No, J.J. Redick and uh, somebody. But I'm going with uh, Corey McGetty. Corey McGetty is seventh on the list. 89 million. J.J. Redick, sixth. 92 Shane million. Battier. Shane Battier, tenth. 56 million. We still have number three, number eight, and number nine. Number three you should get. This is a, this is a joke. 146 million career earnings. Christian Leitner? <laughs> <laughs> Christian Leitner is ninth on the list with $61 million. I'm actually surprised Leitner because he played so long ago. 
Um, he's the oldest player to be in the in the top ten. Grand Hill next, obviously. Grand Hill made two point four X Christian Leitner's career salary. Uh, number three, I'll have to give you a hint. Mike Dunleavy. Mike Dunleavy is number eight. Carlos so Boozer. You got the entire top ten because Carlos Boozer <laughs> is the is third on the list. Mike Dunleavy, eighty four million. Carlos Boozer, one forty six. Now didn't so the top ten here? Elton Brand, one sixty nine. Luol Deng, one fifty three. Carlos Boozer, one forty six. Grand Hill, one forty two. Kyrie, ninety four. JJ, ninety two. Maggetti. Dunleavy, both in the 80s. Christian Lehner at 61. Shane Battier at 56. That was fantastic. You really you really know your shit. Um, I thought you were going to struggle with this list. Who was number three? Number three was Boozer. You, was you, Boozer you, yeah, okay. Boozer was the only guy he kind of gave short trip to. Boozer did something semi-shady when he left Cleveland to go to Utah. He got a big contract to go to Utah. But, but he, like, he misrepresented his intentions to the Cleveland owner. They made him a free agent because he basically said he was going to resign. Yeah, yeah. They let his deal lapse, yeah. and then I remember his reputation but, took a but he got an offer that was somewhat of a hit. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if what he did was acceptable. Yeah, I, I think, I think, at the end of it, people didn't blame him that hard, but yeah. they did feel it was a dishonorable thing to do. But guess what? He was a second round pick. Yeah, he never made any money the first couple years of his career. And then he and signed then he a decent deal. That contract for sure. Then he overplayed the the contract he got. Yeah. And that was his chance to sign and make a lot of money for his, you know, his and his family's like legacy money. Yeah. And, and, and he, that, he yeah. got it. He got like a sixty million three 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 year deal, which was like huge at the time. With Utah. Or no, it was like a, it was an eight, it was like an eighty something million four year deal, I think, or maybe even more. Okay. He signed a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, do you do you want to go th- want to go for the rest of the top twenty? I'll be impressed if you. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I there's just too many guys. There's <laughs> so many guys. But well, feel free to to, he, to give us the names. Miles Plumley is eleventh. Okay. At fifty five, just short of Shane Battier, and he's going to make more money right. than Battier. I mean, it's got to be all in the his NBA guys, career because like Lou Dink signed a four year seventy two, and he barely ever played on the contract. You know, I mean, yeah. it's going to dwarf anybody from 15 years ago. Yeah, obviously, uh, Jason Tatum and Ingram and, yeah. you know, these guys are about to make a lot of money. Actually, I am curious to know, you said Jaleel Okafor was like signed to like 50000 or something. What exactly is he getting paid? At he got Lawrence? guaranteed 50000 okay. if what, he had gotten what's cut. He, what's he getting paid? What M- he, like NBA minimum? NBA minimum, yeah. Which is what? Like, I don't know what his Two deal million? was. One and a half million? Uh... NBA minimum is about a million. Yeah. Okay. Does but, it does it depend on how many years you play? I think I think it does. Okay. Uh, so Okafor's salary on Basketball Reference uh, says it's one point five six seven million. So for this year, it's one point five. If if they don't cut him, and they could, they can cut him for part of his salary. And it, his deal probably has a provision that locks him in. For his contract to be guaranteed the rest of the year, if he makes it, still on the roster at a certain yeah. date. I don't know what that date is. I mean, he's um, still on the roster. He does see he, the court garbage time, right? Yeah, he's on the roster. They're probably hoping he'll develop into a, an asset that they could either trade or just keep on the team. He's like insurance. 
they might lose Anthony Davis next year. Yeah. I mean, not that Okafor is going to come in, but they might need a backup guy that can score. Yeah. And maybe he gets better. You know, he's still working through his issues. The, I, read, I read it. The next year, if if they pick that up and it stays on the team, it's one point seven million. Okay. So it's an incremental sort of amount. That's actually, I don't. That, that's not, those are not the minimums. I don't believe so. A little, little bit higher. Yeah, maybe it is for a fourth year guy. This is his fourth year in the NBA, and Okafor made fourteen million in the other three years. Yeah. Um, there's actually a couple surprising names that kind of round, that make the list. But what's interesting is Bagley. If I counted all four years of his rookie deal, would have made the list top twenty. But he's not. It's not because he's making like eight or nine, right, or seven or eight. Bagley is. I think he's making seven or eight million this year. And uh, let's see. He, um, he, but they only two years are fully guaranteed. You know, they, okay. they can they can get off the contract if they decide. They're obviously not going to. But this year, seven point three. Next year, eight point five. You after that, nine million, and then the fourth year. Team option is for eleven point three million, so that would give him basically, you know, if all four years, if we knew they were locked up, that would be thirty four million dollars, which would put him eighteenth on our list, tied with Josh McRoberts. Josh McRoberts. Very Josh serviceable. McRoberts. Lance Thomas is twentieth on the list with thirty one million and still going. Lance Thomas is the man. Lance Thomas might wind up cracking the top fifteen of this this list. Someone will pass him by then, but. Chris Duhon, 19th, with $33 million. Played a lot of years. Number of years in the NBA. McRoberts, Gerald Henderson is uh, 17th. Now, I meant to ask about Gerald Henderson. He's still 29, right? No team wants to give him a look? Uh, I imagine somebody gave him, like, people gave him looks. Yeah. But that, it's kind of just over. Uh, is he only 29? He's 31, Peter. He just oh, turned 31. 31? Yesterday. Happy birthday, Gerald. Okay, so he was third. Yeah. Apparently, he's given up on his podcast also. Oh, yeah? Sorry to hear. Tobacco Road. Jeez, it's... it's yeah. It's I too mean, bad. Hopefully, punched uh, Tyler Hansborough in the face and, the, the, you know, some behind-the-scenes Duke UNC drama. I think he was at that Indiana yeah. game. There were a bunch of guys. Um, I think he's starting down an announcing career. Announcing slash uh, scouting. I saw uh, Trajan Langdon, who was yeah, like an Trajan assistant GM for... New Jersey. I want to say like Ricky Price was there also. Yeah, there were a lot of guys there for sure. Yeah, it was a big, you so know. Gerald, Gerald, the good news is he made $37 million, so he should be able to retire comfortably and pursue his announcing career. Hopefully he's done the right things. Jabari, $42 million. That only includes this year. Jabari, great player. Jabari, Jabari's <laughs> going to rise up this rankings. When there's, there's like a coup or something up with the Bulls. Uh, players yeah, are like the, resisting the, 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 the strong handed tactics of the new coach. Well, they got rid of like uh, Fred Hoiberg seems a, soft, a somewhat player friendly coach. Yeah, and they bring they bring in the assistant, and the guy just like starts running the shit out of him. Yeah, and having him do drills, get in shape. Yeah, yeah. and super aggressive subs out the entire starting lineup, keeps him on the bench the whole second half. Zach Levine, Zach Levine's like, uh, you're no Greg Popovich, because apparently he was a pop uh, assistant. Yeah, and I have no quotes from Wendell, but I'm sure Wendell's keeping his head down. Um, Wendell's uh, he's like, whatever, I just got out of college. It's all good. <laughs> uh, Danny Ferry is actually 15th on the list. That's impressive. That tells you that how, how much money Danny they thought Danny Ferry was worth. 
<clears throat> back then. That doesn't include his European earnings. Yeah, because he sacrificed like the first year or yeah, two. I think to he play made in France. Yeah, I think he made six six or nine million, if I remember. Okay. <clears throat> Austin Rivers is fourteenth. Uh, Mason Plumley is thirteenth. Justice Winslow is twelfth. That includes all of Justin's new contract. Justice's new contract. Yeah. Well, he got three year thirty nine. Yeah. So I was very I was very happy to 50. see that. I was happy to see them with a semi solid commitment to him, but then like a month later I, I read he was he was packaged in an offer for uh Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Or they tried. Uh here's my prediction. None of these guys are gonna stay on the list. Twelve years from now, the top three will be Zion, RJ Barrett, and Kyrie. Zion, RJ Barrett, and Kyrie. Twelve years from now. So it gives eleven years of Zion's NBA earnings and eleven years of RJ's. Yeah. Twelve years of Marvin Bagley's. Uh, Fourteen years of uh, Brandon Ingram, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is the other good good candidate yeah. there. So, you know, the top five is probably going to be Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum makes it above 150 career earnings. I think Zion does. I think RJ does. And uh, I, I know Kyrie will. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would argue against, would argue the other position. Yeah. And then, does Bagley? That's a question. Does so, Wendell so Carter when, have a when, shot? When you said that, I was actually going to ask you, I mean, how badly do you think Vlade Divac and the Kings front office... Like how how pained are they to see Luka Doncic just kill it? Well, I don't I don't think that team needed Luka as much. They have a primary ball handler, Darren, Darren Fox. Fox right. I think Luka's best as a primary. Although he's playing with Dennis Smith, it, I don't really I don't follow so, close enough to to know exactly what the dynamics are. If they just sort of trade off being primary. So maybe Luca could have done that with Darren Fox. Shouldn't Luca have gone before Bagley? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. He should have gone before DeAndre. If they held the draft Maybe. again. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, we can end on this. Let's pull up last year's draft. If they held the draft again, um, let's see. The top ten were were DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Luca Doncic. Jaron Jackson has been great. Trey Young, Bamba, Wendell Carter, Colin Sexton, Kevin Knox, Mikael Bridges, Shea Gilgus, Alexander was 11th. I don't think anyone has made... Well, Landry Shamit at 26 has been pretty good. But Lonnie Walker got injured and he looked good at 18. Um, No one else has really made a huge, huge contribution... Uh, Robert Williams would go higher now. Jalen Brunson actually on Dallas is playing really well. Why would Why would Robert Williams go higher? He just looks like a beast. He plays when he gets in. He yeah. looked great today. He blocked a couple of Anthony Davis's shots today and it, like yeah. a decisive victory. Um, but isn't he a head case? I don't think he'd go top ten. He'd still have yeah. He'd still have that issue. Didn't he oversleep the uh, opening press conference and? Yeah, but I haven't heard any drama since. So, Mitchell Robinson would have gone higher, too, I think, now. But I think that this is a loaded draft, you know? It's a great draft. <laughs> I think Aiton might might still go one or two. 
I actually think Jaron Jackson. There's a chance he might go number one. It's Luca. I think it's Luca. I think it. I think it might it seems be Luca. Like it's Luca. But I think people love Jaron Jackson. What he's doing for Memphis. They're yeah. saying his upside I think is they like would limitless. Happily trade him for Luca Doncic. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. I I think they love Jaron Jackson, and I think Aiton. I think Aiton would is is right right in the conversation there. Okay. But what's interesting is. Bagley doesn't have the same buzz. Bagley's actually putting up decent numbers. Yeah, and, and off I, the bench and now. I, he's playing. I feel like the head coach is taking some heat for not starting him and not playing him more minutes. The Kings are just playing well. They're they're in the playoffs right now. Like they're, they're good six team. or seven. They're, they're, they're two or three games above five hundred. <laughs> they're maybe a good team. Maybe, maybe they're a good team. Yeah. Darren Fox playing great. Um, Trey but Young, Buddy, I think. Buddy Hill is playing great. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually the the top four look pretty good. I mean, Bagley I think would go behind those guys, but I'm not ready to, to say Bagley can't be better than all those guys. He might still be the best player in the class. Uh, Wendell Carter would still go high. Mm-hmm. I think Bamba would still would Tra- still Tra- go Tra- high, would but drop. yeah, the guy that would rise is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, that guy's a monster. I mean, actually, I wonder if he would go in the top three or four. Yeah. I think he'd get drafted before Bagley now. And somehow the Clippers are doing well. And he's he's playing a significant role. Um, yeah, and even like the next five or ten, like a lot of these guys are playing, playing, playing well. Like we didn't mention Dante DiVincenzo and coming off the bench of the Bucks or Kevin Herter um, or Josh Okaji. You know, all these guys look pretty. He's Grayson, you know, I, I don't think Grayson would go as high now. I think a lot some of these guys would, would jump him. And I think Landry Shamit would actually go in the top 15 now. What team is he on? He's on the Sixers. I've been watching him okay. play all year. Hey, uh, did, did you guys also get Zaire Smith? Yeah. Does he play? Zaire broke his uh, broke his foot? I think he, the, the Sixers have rookie curse. He, he, okay. he broke his foot so in the so summer. He's not going to play this year. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he... He was had an infection, I think, after the surgery, and then okay. somehow he—I think he has a peanut allergy or some kind of food allergy—and he ended up having to have another procedure uh, for his chest. He, he, some disastrous okay. sort of thing happened medically for this, him. This—he was like a high upside guy, right? Huge upside, okay. huge athletic upside, but he's—you know he's what school in, he went to? In very poor health, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Yes, sir. Good school. Yeah, I'm, uh, good for Duke. Good that, coach. That, that he's not there again. He really was good. He, well, yeah. Who who coaches Texas Tech? Chris Beard. I I remember him because he was supposed to be at UNLB. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy who uh, literally backed out of his uh, agreement less than a week after signing a contract and having the uh, press conference, like within like a few days. UNLV actually has a really good. Uh, prospect in their team, like a big shot blocker, okay. um, from uh, somewhere from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot his name; it's tough to pronounce. But uh, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for UNLV this year. I think I think they actually might be decent again. It's been a while. Um, so that's it. That's yeah. all we got for uh, this week. Uh, just real quickly, we also got uh, Vernon Carey, a top top five guy, a five star big man. Like a 6'10", 6'11 guy. I feel yes. like a, he's been compared to like a Wendell Carter type player. He joins five-star wing Wendell Moore, like a 6'8", really athletic wing. Probably can't shoot from the outside. 
and then a four-star guard, Boogie Ellis. But those are the only three recruits so far. I feel like recruiting has been a little slow this year, um, but there are some gems still who have not decided. Yeah, a lot of the class has There's a reclassified kid who's supposed to be really, really good, Anthony Edwards, I think. Yeah, the class has not come together fully, but Vernon Carey is, you know, a monster on the... uh, it's sort of the uh, the trail, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, open question as to how we judge these big guys these days, but um, yeah. And and next year, so Jabin, Jack, Alex O'Connell, <laughs> Joey Baker, Alex O'Connell. I mean, all these guys. It's interesting to see what kind of team it's going to be because it. I feel like this upcoming next year we may not have as many really really high draft lottery picks as normal you know usually usually yeah it might usually, be usually we've got like four studs right but right now it feels like we've got two studs and hopefully one or two more but maybe not but nobody's a stud like like RJ yeah. or Zion or Bagley Tatum or yeah none, none, in, of, the, none of these guys as, yet. As they came in these guys are talented but they're not they're not. They don't seem to be that transcendently talented, but maybe they are. I mean, we don't know. Um, these guys are still developing. They're young. They're still in high school. So yeah, uh, yeah. It could be a really interesting year uh, next year. Just to see how the team is, because we're gonna have mm-hmm. a lot of good upperclassmen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, and who knows? Maybe someone will stay that we don't expect. You know. I'm pretty sure Marquise Bolden's Bolden might have his shot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone will leave that we don't expect. Um, yeah, I mean, you threw out one name in this podcast. <laughs> I hope he doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's really good. I'm glad we got we got uh, Carrie. I know he was a top target. Yeah, and um, I think Duke was the favorite. It wasn't a big surprise we got him, but without him, the class was looking really lacking, and it could have sort of yeah. Maybe snowballed in a negative way, like oh, right. you know, like how maybe people don't want to go there and like try to live up to this last class kind of a thing. But I, for one, would be glad of the break from just the highest expectations um, for the, all the best players. Like I don't, I don't mind sort of watching a team that just rolling out Goldwire, O'Connell, Delorier, well, that's White, not really... and Bolden, and see and see how they do. No, I mean plus, those plus like two the, or three good good freshmen. Yeah, they'd start. They're still going to start probably at least two freshmen next year. Yeah, and yeah, it might be Jack White and Alex O'Connell and Marcus Bolden or Deloria with them. I actually think the the Baker kid, the Baker kid looked very good in Canada. I mean, outside yeah, of the he might, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, he seemed like a very he's, high IQ. He's now part of that class. Tall, yeah, yeah. Like he's so, he's so, got talent. He's a good player, but he was ranked in like the forties, you know, fifties. He wasn't. He wasn't like. You know, top ten guy. Yeah, that's all. Right. Yeah, but he looks like he could be a very, very good college basketball player. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that'll do it for us, right? I think so. We talked long enough. We've got another week until Princeton. Another Ivy League uh, tune-up before Texas Tech. Good game. Yeah, Madison we'll probably. Run, I think we'll po- we'll podcast after the Texas Tech game. Sure. All right. All right, we'll go Duke. And happy Hanukkah. Oh, thank you. Uh, Merry Merry holidays to everybody. All their things. 